Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Appreciate you being here. Hallelujah. I'm going to take this time and um, look into God's Word. Hallelujah. And just take a little while and study it. And... uh, I just have a little disclaimer I just want to say. I don't want to alarm you with this, but I just want, and I'm not baiting you with this either. I just want to just say this. I just need you to hear me from start to finish. Just don't cut me off in the middle and don't leave me halfway. Just hear me start to finish because my goal is to strengthen our faith. That's my goal. Hallelujah. And with the Lord's help, I want to do that. So just, that's, that's all I'm saying is just hear me all the way out. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Acts. That's where I want to start. My title is The Power. We have the power. There is no mistaking that. We have that from the lips of our Lord. We have the power. There is no debate on that. We have the power. Now, in the book of Acts chapter 1, I will read... In fact, I'll just read the verse that's quoted, and then I'll just, I'll read it again, but it's just quoted so many times. This is where we get it from. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We hear that quoted all the time in Pentecost. That is quoted all the time. We have the power. I'm not disputing that. We literally have the power. There's no way I would go against what God said. We have the power. That is an undeniable fact. We have the power. Now, what I want to do, let's go back to verse 4, and that's where I want to start. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they, or the disciples, therefore, was come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, first he tells them, he says, in other words, he's speaking to the church. You go back and you wait for the promise. And this is what I want you to do. And then he says, You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. 
The Bible tells us earlier he was with them about 40 days. We know Pentecost is 50, so approximately 10 days from now, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. But he just, he just words it like this, not many days hence. You're going to be, in other words, he just leaves it open. Not many days from now, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And so he's telling them, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, what I find unique about that is like uh, the men, Brother Fears, Brother Polk, and others, that, that w- men that we baptize, I literally tell them, when I baptize you or someone else baptize you, we literally are going to submerge you. If some part of you is sticking out, we're going to do it again. I'm telling you the truth. We're not leaving no finger out. We're not leaving nothing. Because the Bible says when you baptize someone, you submerge them. So he says you shall be baptized. In other words, this is not just to come in and touch you and go home. He says you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. In other words, you will be submerged. It is not just get a little bit on you and go home. This will be literally not soaked in your garment. It will be soaked in your spirit. You will literally take this home with you. He says you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he tells them you're going to be baptized with this. Go back and wait on it, which I think is very good. In other words, he's commissioned them. Do not go out and do what I'm commissioning you to do without my spirit. I think that's very good advice. So he tells us as a mandate to the church. In other words, I would think, I mean, I'm not him, but just my personal advice, don't be sending people out without the Holy Ghost. He says, go back, wait for the promise. You have a commission, but wait till you are baptized. Wait till you are submerged. Wait till it is in your very fiber. Wait till you are just literally consumed with my spirit. Then, then you go out. Don't get through to the wolves and just throw to the world without my spirit. He says, you will be baptized. You will be completely covered, submerged with my spirit. Do that. And then they asked him, the disciples, they just, in other words, we're just flesh and blood. They just turned to the flesh. Are you going to restore your kingdom? Look, they're just thinking. You know, they've seen, in other words, I can't blame them for this statement. They've just seen him. They, they was with him for three and a half years. They seen him crucified. Now they seen him risen, and they're thinking, you know what? <laughs> we fixing to see him take control. And they said, are you fixing to restore your kingdom? And he just, uh, I don't even know if you'd call it a mild rebuke. He just corrects them. He just says, look, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Don't be trying to put a date on this. What's important, in other words, look at it this way. What if he would have told his disciples in 2014, there's going to be a man standing behind a pulpit talking about this? It would have overwhelmed them. They, how could they have handled that? Because they would have been thinking, you know what? God's fixing to establish his kingdom. We're fixing to wrap this up. These Jews that just crucified you, we're fixing to take care of them. But God said, no, that's not what's important. What is important? It's what I'm fixing to give you. And I'm fixing to open a completely new dimension of my power that I'm fixing to give to you. And what that, that power is going to be it is a anointing. And that anointing is going to be, number one, and number one only, is to make you a witness. 
And my point is this. I'm not trying to rattle you in no way, but we quote it all the time, and you shall receive power. This is not a power to live. This is not a power to be an overcomer. This is strictly a power to be a witness. God said, you shall receive power. There's two shalls. You shall receive power. That's a given. And you shall be a witness. I think a lot of people get sidetripped on this witness part. All of a sudden, they think they're self as a preacher, or they think they're self, they got to go out and do this or do that. That's not it at all. Just be who you say you are. That is a witness. If you're a Christian, be a Christian. If you say you're apostolic, be an apostolic. He said, if you, if you say you're are called by the name of Jesus Christ, covered with me and have my spirit, be that. Be that. That's all I'm saying. Be a witness. Because what I'm saying, I make myself a hypocrite because God in himself said, I will give you the power. You go back, you wait on it. This power, I look at it as a special anointing. This anointing that I'm leaving with you is going to make you able to be the witness that you need to be. Because I'm just, I'm just shy to the point of literally like everybody else. I've, I've literally come across some people that just says, I cannot do it. I just li- I literally cannot do it. We have to be very careful about what we say. We cannot let our mouth overload us. Because I've said it, you cannot go against this book. This is non-negotiable. You are a witness. I'm telling you in no uncertain terms. And if you say you're not, you are going against the word of God. For God give us two ye shalls. You shall receive power. You don't need a commentary for that. And you shall be a witness because that's it. That's just literally it because in, in the way I would look at that, it, it's like this when the disciples was walking by and they see the fig tree and, and, and the Lord was hungry, the Bible tells us, and he looks at it and he sees the leaves on the tree and he goes to it and there's no figs on it. And the Lord just says, I tell you what, from this day forward, ain't nobody going to eat figs off of this tree. But when you keep reading, the Bible says the time of figs was not yet. And I'm thinking, man, that's just a little cold. It wasn't even time to produce figs, but the Lord cursed the tree. But keep reading. Look into that. And I did. But what the Bible says and what research tells us is that the tree was supposed to produce figs first then the leaves. So when God saw the leaves and then he went to it for figs and there wasn't no figs but it had leaves, he said, that's it. You're not saying who you say you are. That's why I said if we say we're apostolic and we put a sign out there and the world comes in and we have no substance, then we make ourselves a hypocrite. God said, you are a witness. Don't tell the world you're apostolic. And when they walk in here, all we have is leaves. We have no substance to give to them because God has already nailed it down. This is nailed down. And he said, don't put the leaves outside. And when you come in, you have no substance. You have no hope. You have no grace. You have no strength to give to them because all you've done is offer them leaves. You've just put up a pretty tree outside. And God said, from this day forward, No one is going to eat fruit off of this tree because you put forth the leaves and you had no substance. You had no substance because it is not as hard as we make it out to be because it is just this. 
just tell your story. Just tell your story is all you've got to do. And I'm going to make a joke out of this, but you'll understand it. The Bible says it like this. I, I say I'm making a joke. I'm not making fun of the Word of God, but if you know me, you'll understand this. The Bible says like this, And you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria. Spiritually speaking, I'm staying in Jerusalem. If you know me, you'll understand that. I'm thankful the Lord gave us an option. You're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, a couple weeks ago, I felt like I was in the uttermost parts of the earth. But I'm telling you, he gave us, in other words, that God laid it out, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. I'm staying in Jerusalem, but I'm going to be a witness. Just wherever you're at, be a witness. Be a witness. Because if I stand and say, I don't have the strength or I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the power, I don't, have, I don't read this word, then I'm going against the book. The book says I have the power. The power's been delegated. I have the delegated authority of the word of God to be the witness. I have the power. And this power that he put in, one, in Acts 1 and 8 is a special anointing. It is like they had never seen. That's why God said, you go back to the upper room and you wait because there's literally nothing more important than you spreading the gospel of this kingdom. Nothing more important. Nothing more important. And I'm going to give you, my church, a special anointing to accomplish this. I'm not sending you to the world defenseless. I'm giving you the authority to do this. I'm giving you the authority over the enemy, over everything you face, over what you conquer. But this authority, this anointing, he said, you shall receive power. This is the power that I think. You don't have to agree with me. This is the power that I think it's referring to. This is the apostolic authority, the power that he gave to his church. You shall receive power. And you shall be a witness. It's not as hard as we make it out. It is not as hard as we make it out. Just be who you say you are. That's all you've got to do. That's all you've got to do. This is literally the last words of the Lord. So how important are they? He's standing there. He's looking at them. The Bible tells us they're just standing there looking at them. And he just he goes up. And they beheld him, literally. Literally, they beheld him. While he went up, they literally, they watched, they beheld. And the Bible says he was literally taken out of their sight. He went up. And the Bible tells us he has this. He went they, and he told them to do this. Now, the, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come. I'm not making a play on words. I'm reading the Bible to you. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon, upon, upon you. In the Old Testament, the Bible says of, of the Samson, I agree 100% with Brother Boyd. I don't believe this image that we see today of Samson and some muscle-bound creature, I don't believe that for a minute. I believe he was just an average, ordinary man that God anointed with an anointing. So I believe that the, the power, the Bible says, came upon Samson. God anointed him. So the Bible says here, this anointing, will come upon you. 
You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. I'm not making a play on words. I'm reading the Bible to you. Come upon you. Now, turn with me. I want to jump over. Turn with me to John. Let's look in John, St. John. Uh, just skip back a little bit. John 14. The 14th chapter. And let's read um, St. John 14. And just read on the screen. John 14, 16. Here's Jesus, he's speaking to him, and he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he will abide with you forever. Then he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. He is saying the spirit of truth. Truth is just literally just God revealed perfectly. It's just God revealed perfectly and known unto his own creation. Literally, that's what it is. John, he tells us in 14.6, Jesus says it like this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man come to the Father but by me. other words, I would do it like this. No man can get to the Spirit but by me. Nobody's going to get to the Spirit but by me. He is saying Jesus is the only way. He says, and then he tells them, he says, I'm leaving I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to give you another comforter. He's standing there in his flesh. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, I'm leaving. This flesh is leaving, but my spirit's coming back. And then in in, in the last verse I read, he just finally sums it up, and he just tells them. He just says, look, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I'm I'm, I'm not leaving you. This flesh is the only thing that's leaving I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. As the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to come upon you. I'm going to be in you, and I'm going to be upon you. I will do this, and I will abide with you forever. He says, I will not leave you. And then literally, then he tells him, he says, there will be those, he says, whom the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. This is amazing to me. You had the so-called church that associated, that rubbed elbows with the Lord for three and a half years and never even seen him. I mean, they literally, all they did because they were so blinded by their tradition, they had the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah in human flesh, and all they seen was Joseph and Mary's son. That's just some carpenter walking among us. And Jehovah literally walked among them. And God said, they never even seen me. I will literally walked among them. And he just read to his disciples and told them, the world seeth me not, but you see me. You know who I am. And it's to you who I will be revealed to. And it's to you that I will come. And then he says, and then that's when he tells them, he says, not only will I be revealed to you, but I will be in you through my spirit. And that's why he said, no man comes to the Father, but by me, but by me. You ain't getting to the Spirit. Try all you want. You're not getting to the Spirit but by me. I mean, that is just the Lord telling them. And and I believe they understood. Excuse me. I believe they understood that. He says, this, the Spirit, 
you receive will be me, he tells them, literally. Because you live, because I live, he said, you, uh, I, I, uh, you shall live also. Now, there's two things that I, that I wanted to get to. I, really, I mean, this has, has hit me. Man, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm not kidding. It is really, really, and with Lord's help, I'm going to get rid of it. It is a fact. We have the power. We are witnesses. God said he would come upon us. He would come inside of us. He would give us the strength. Everything we would need to be a witness. But what I couldn't get away from, how many times have we heard, but we live in a real, real world. We do. We, as Brother Boyd has joked, believe it or not, the power company does actually send us a bill for this power. I mean, we have, as individuals, we have stress. We have responsibilities. I mean, life just nails us just like anybody else. We have situations that affect us, and we have sicknesses that, that latch onto us that we would just like to sever and just say, get away from me, that they seem like they never do. Life literally comes against us. But I'm telling you, God has called us to do this. That is a given. But what is so impacted me is I want to leave you two illustrations and if you ever write anything down you need to write this down the first one is in Genesis 15 now I'm still talking about the power but I'm going to real life real life situations I'm going to use one out of the Old Testament and one out of the New Testament. It was in literally in the 12th chapter that God told Abram. And if when you read that, well, I'll just say it like this. 11th chapter of Genesis is man's idea of what's going on. The 12th chapter of Genesis is God's idea of what it's going to be. And God starts out to show you the character of Abraham. He, God starts out and just says, get thee out. He don't says, you know, that really offended me, God. You really shouldn't drop kick me to the curb that way. But he just says, God starts out, get thee out. Take whoever you want to take, basically. Other words, as far as your family, and get out. Just get out. So he does. That's the character of Abraham. He had so much faith. He believed God. In the 12th chapter of Genesis, and he got out. He did. He literally left. You know, I've joked. You know, God told him, said, Abraham, first thing you do is go outside and take the GPS off the camel because I'm telling you where to go. You going into a land that you don't even know. I mean, it would have been enough of a task for one man to go get on a camel and just say, God, okay. But take a whole caravan of people 
and them continually asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't even know where we're going. What do you mean, are we there yet? And he's taking this, and he, he doesn't know. But in the 15th chapter of Genesis, if you mark your Bible, and if you don't, write it down. Because I'm telling you, this verse has so much going on, it is truly remarkable. Now, what has happened, and I'll just give you just this little bit. We're only in the 15th chapter. Abraham has left. He's got everything up to this point. There's been a war. Some kings has got together. They've took. In the process, his nephew Lot was captured. All his goods out of Sodom. The women that was with him, they've took. They've took. They've captured Lot. Abraham don't know it. One of the men escapes, comes back and tells Abraham. Abraham, the kings got together. They went to war. All of a sudden, your family, speaking of Lot, is right in the middle of it. And they've took Lot. Well, apparently they didn't know who they was dealing with. Because the Bible says that Abraham took 318, the Bible says, trained men. And he went down there and he got Lot back. And the Bible says he got the women and he got all the goods. He went back there and he got them back. But this is after the fact. This is like, it's when all of this, like I said, we're only, we're only in the 15th chapter. You know, he's left everything. And he's in the 15th chapter and life has just nailed him. And he's like, I don't know if he was just so just full of faith and he's just like never thinking, did I do the right thing or not? I don't know. I don't really know. But all I do know is a lot is going on in this man's life. And the Bible says, and I'll just read you the verse and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. In Genesis 15 and 1, I'll read the first verse. After these things, that's what it's speaking of. After the war, after Abraham goes and gets Lot and comes back. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. Now that just sounds like just a verse out of the Bible. But I'm telling you, it is not. It is not. Now... He took this, he went, got a lot, come back. This phrase, number one, there's going to be a lot to it, so just bear with me. This phrase, the word of the Lord, this is literally the first time this phrase is used in the Bible. Where it says, in the word of the Lord, or the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. This phrase has never been used before. This is the first time God used it. It would be used many, 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 many times over. But this is the first time. Other words, we would say it, other words, and you would understand this phrase. If you was <clears throat> trying to get somebody and you wanted somebody to do something and you really, really needed them to do it, and finally they just told and said, look, you have my word. This was at a time when this really meant something. 
So I believe God is literally saying to Abraham, Abraham, you have my word. You have my word. So he's telling them, you have my word. The word of the Lord, this is the first time. And then he tells him, fear not. Now, not that he had any reason to fear, but what he had done, he had just come against a confederation of five kings and what he could look for, because he'd went down there and got Lot and come back, but what he could look for was retaliation, and it was probably going to happen. So and this is why God told him, he says, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. This is the first time that shield is used in the Bible. This is the first time that reward is used in the Bible. Now, he's involved in a hand-to-hand -hand combat, conflict. So when God said, I am thy shield, it literally meant something. If God was speaking today and he says, I am thy missile, we wouldn't know what he's talking about. But he's telling Abraham, he says, I am thy shield. I will be your protector. Let the enemy come against you if they want to. I am your shield. And then he says, not just great reward, I am your exceedingly great reward. So this is the first time that reward is used in the scripture. And then he tells him that. Then the phrase, I am, I just always assumed that Moses. Now, the I am of Moses, that is where God established his name forever. But this, this is the first time that God identified himself as I am. It is right here. That is why it is so unique to me when the Jews got so ticked off at God when he said before Abraham was, I am. Because it is to Abraham that God said, I am the very first time. So he said to Abraham, I am thy exceedingly great reward, and I am thy shield. And when, the, when he said that to the Jews, they just said, no, 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 no. He's identifying himself with Jehovah. We ain't going to put up with this. We can't handle this. But what they didn't know, and what they didn't know is the very first time this is ever literally said, it is said to a man named Abraham. Abraham, the very first time. God revealed himself as the I am. Now, now, I'll just give you a second to think about this on the I am's. How many do you think they are in the Old Testament? I'll give you a few seconds. And it's always for the benefit of God's people. It's always when we're in trouble, when we need help. I'll tell you this alone. There's 70 just in Ezekiel alone. 70, just in Ezekiel, it's 154 in the Old Testament. Now, there's seven in John, and there's seven, or six in Revelation. But what I like, the first one in John, this is where I tell it, anybody that is just, especially some of the men that we come across, or it don't matter to me who I'm talking to, if, if I sense a desperation of any kind, I tell them the very first I am in the New Testament is God said, I am the bread of life. And I tell them, 
man has hungered and pushed the envelope and filled their bodies full of drugs and you name it, you name it. They have just pushed it to the nth degree of trying to satisfy that need. And God said, I am the bread of life. And if you would partake of me, you would never hunger. That is the very first one that God identifies. He identifies himself. He says, I am the bread of life. So he takes and he does that. But he in telling, in telling Abram, he says, you've done this. I will do this. He says, you have my word. I'm your shield. I will be your protector. Abraham, what does the Bible call him? The father of the faithful. He goes out. He does this. other words, God tells him all of this. This verse contains so much. He is in the little of this when Abraham could have just backed off and says, I don't know what's going on. But God just says, after these things, after these things. In other words, God has a way of just when everything, everything. That's why I've said, that's why it will, I'm telling you, they plant me or God comes. That's why this all means so much when God literally impressed on me about Job. Don't let the storm override the voice. Because I'm telling you, God is going to speak. He's going to speak to his own. It don't matter what's going on. God is going to speak. And the storms of life are going to rage. But that's not going to prevent God from speaking. So he tells Abraham, after these things, he just calmed Abraham down. He just said, look, when life is gone, you're at war, you're in this conflict. He said, I will be your protector. And I'm not just going to be your reward. I'm going to be your exceedingly great reward. I'm going to be your great reward. I am the one that's going to perform this. Now, turn with me, if you will. I want to go to the New Testament. I want to go to Philippians, the fourth chapter. There's one verse also. This one, hear me out too. Hear me start to finish, please. I want to read you a verse that we hear quoted all the time. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is quoted in the church, the church world, a lot, a lot, a lot. And what I'm fixing to give you is my opinion. What I refer, I would refer to that, and these are my terms, as a blanket verse. And what I mean by that is the church world has took this and just covered everything with it. They've just said, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. You got Philippians 4.19. My God's going to supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I will flip that over and just say I would never, ever be arrogant enough to stand and say what God will or won't do. But what I will do is read you what's in the Bible, and that's what I'm fixing to do. Now, one thing to remember when you read in Philippians, that makes it truly unique, 
is that Paul, when he was writing this, was on house arrest. So he was literally chained to a Roman guard, we're told, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's like this. <clears throat> Paul's chained to a Roman soldier, and he's writing Philippians. And, I mean, it is literally, it is literally uh, a letter of thanks, of gratitude to the Philippian church. And you would think that he's just walking on the beach or he's hid himself in a way in some church and the Lord's moving on him. But I'm telling you, he's not. It's like this. He is chained to a Roman soldier and he's writing. And I'm assuming he's right-handed and he's writing. Don't forget. Okay, he writes him this letter. Now, and I'll read this. I didn't give him to this. But that is why this makes so much sense. Look at this. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. For I know how to be abased, I know how to abound, and everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this verse that we quote all the time. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, knowing this man is chained to a Roman guard when he is saying all of this, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I mean, that means a whole lot more to me knowing where this man's coming from. But, Verse 19, where he says, But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've said the world that, in my opinion, has made it a blanket verse. I do not believe it is. I believe it is a directional verse. I believe it is directed toward someone. And I'll tell you why. Now, start with me. To get, in my opinion, to get the benefits of 19... You got to start at 14. So, so read with me now. Notwithstanding, and listen to his words. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire to give, <clears throat> but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, even chained to this guard, having received Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Then, that's when he says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he tells them, and then he says, 
Know also, in verse 15, the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. You gave, I received, but ye only. And then he tells them, in 14, you did communicate with my affliction. In other words, it was you, Philippians, you, when no one else would give, you gave unto me. When no one else would help, you communicated with my affliction. In other words, you shared in my distress. When I was working toward this gospel, nobody else. He even says no church would help. So who he has directed this to is the Philippian church. So what I'm saying is this. And then he says once again, he says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound. In other words, what I desire is that you may be full. In other words, that it may be presented to your account. And then he tells them, he says, not, not that I would desire anything, but I want it to be going to you, labeled to you. Because the Philippians is the one that when nobody else would go, no one else would give. And, and the world has just said everybody's entitled to this. But I'm just saying I don't believe they are. I believe it's the ones. And it, you know what? I'll, I'll bring it home. And I'll say it like this. If you have been faithful to him, if you have come in here, if you have paid your tithes according to the word of God, if you have obeyed this book according to his teachings, when you come in here and you have a need, then you claim verse 19. That verse is for you. Because Paul is saying, when nobody else would go, when nobody else would go, or went, it was you. And then he says, literally, no church, no church would do this, but it was to you. And that's what I believe that he is talking about because it was to the Philippians. And he says, notwithstanding that you communicated, you shared, you gave, you did this. And then he tells them about the man, Euphrates, that come and he gave. And then he did this and he came and he gave. So I believe Paul is saying, it was God is going to do this. God is going to give, and he's going to bless. And, and the, uh, everybody has just said, you know, I can, I can latch on to that. I can latch on to that. And I'm not saying what God will or won't do, but I believe he is directing it to the Philippian church. So I believe it is to the church that literally, literally gives and, and gives of their self and gives of their time and, and does this. So I would say it like this. Uh, um, and if, 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 you're, if you're just on a fixed income or if, if you're, um, I hate to use the word elderly, Lord, I'm 56. But if, if, if you can't do as much as you used to or you would like to, give me your attention, please. Because I'm telling you, in verse, where is it at? It's in verse 18. Because... At times, the enemy would try to just war against our mind and think just because we have slowed down or because we can't do as much as we would like to that, that we're not doing it. But that is wrong. Do not let the enemy come against you because he literally went all the way back to the Old Testament because what he is saying, when you come in here and you have offered what you offer and you have been faithful to her and to him, the Lord's anointed, that what you have gave is a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. <clears throat> the enemy will try to get you to think, well, Lord, you've only gave that much. 
And Paul is saying, no, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it wrong. It is a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord because you come in and you give, and you give of yourself. And there's and it's more than just monetary value. I don't mean just that. Your time and your prayer and whatever you give in any capacity that you help this church, it is a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord because whatever... Whatever you do, whatever incapacity you give, do not let the enemy trick you into think that you're not doing nothing or you're not giving or, or your gift doesn't matter because it does. It does matter. And because this is why I believe he used this example because some would say when you look at it like at the Old Testament and, and it got literally bloody and, and, and the, the sacrifice they give, it got per, uh, a little gory at times. And they just think, look at that. I mean, what is that really amounting to? And they said, don't look at it that way. It is a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And incense is being uh, went up into heaven, and God is taking that as a sacrifice that you've offered unto him. So when you come in here and you think, my body won't let me do what I want to do, rebuke the devil, rebuke him. You have come into the house of God. You've given to the Lord's anointed. When you come into this house, God said, it is to you that this promise is given. And God said, my God, Paul said, my God shall supply your needs. It is to you that this verse is given. It is not to just somebody that just walks in and just wants to claim this. It is to the faithful that Paul is saying that this verse is given. It is not to just somebody come in and just claim it. I don't believe that and make a blanket verse. I believe it is a directional. It is directed towards the one that has gave. Paul said, you gave. You came. You are the ones that that gave unto me. You're the one that shared in my affliction. When I was hurting, and you didn't take and just cross on the other side of the street. You were the ones that would give to me when nobody else would. So it is to you, it is to you that it is directed. So don't hang your head down. If you have a need, when you come into God's house, you present your need. Because this verse is meant to you. It is literally meant to you. It's meant to you. I mean, we live in the real world. We do have the power to be a witness, but we live in the real world. So when life hits us, illnesses hits us, I'm telling you, we have a promise. God has given us his word. The promise is to us. It is not just a whosoever will. It is a directed promise to those that have given themselves to this work and to this calling because God himself said there is nothing more important And to prove it, I will give you a special anointing that's going to go with this. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness. Because life is going to nail us, and when it does, when it does, we don't have to stand alone. We don't have to stand alone. God has given us his word. He's given us his strength. He's made us more than conquerors, according to Paul, according to God's word. And we do have what we need. I mean, we have this, literally, and I will start ending with this. The Bible says it like this. We have an advocate, and if I love any verse in the Bible, it's this. John said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Why I love that so much, 
what that means to me, we have an advocate with the Father. And if I could just say it in my, in my language, why that means so much to me, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Spirit because that Spirit made Himself a body. So when I come into this house and my flesh hurts, I'm not praying to a God that don't know what I'm talking about. When I get into situations that I don't know what to do, I'm not praying to a God that don't know what I'm talking about. We have an advocate with the Father. That advocate made himself a body, and he dwelt on this earth. He experienced heartache. He experienced people just turn around and walk away. He experienced people spitting in his face. So he knows what it's like. He says he knows the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it's like. So that's why I said, when you have been faithful, when you have given yourself to the Lord's anointed, and you have been faithful, this verse is for you. This verse is for you. I'm telling you, I believe that with everything that's in me. And I would leave you, I'll leave you with this. God says it like this. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm going to give you this anointing. And literally he departed. Because the next time we see him, he's going to commission the four winds. And I'm going to gather my children. That which I, the very last thing that I seen you, I said, go spread this. Get it into my children. Because the next time you see me, I'm going to gather my children. Hallelujah. We have a commission and we have the power to do it. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.